Welcome to the Women in Big Data Brussels podcast, where we talk about big data topics with diversity and inclusiveness in mind. We do this to inspire you and to connect, engage, grow and champion the success of women in big data. The aim of this podcast is to reveal to you what you can do with big data, how organizations and societies use it and the potential of big data to create a better future for everyone. All robots kind of have a purpose, or most of them, if they are developed in a good way that's supposed to help us. And we need to remember that they are tools. So it's not like in the movies where robots are taking over the world. It's We are working together with them to help us with the challenges of the future. In this eighth episode, we talk about robotics, women and the future with Greet van der Perre, postdoctoral researcher applied mechanics at the VEB and Francisca Kirstein, senior scientific domain lead at Blue Ocean Robotics. We cover how robotics help to solve problems, the journey of Greet and Francisca into robotics, empowering more women to study and choose a career in this field, and what the future of robotics will look like. Let's start! Welcome, Great Francesca. We're going to talk about robotics, women, and the future. So, Great, let's start. What is robotics and what can we do with it? Well, robots come in different sizes and shapes, but the main idea is that robots can assist humans by performing specific tasks. And the first robots were industrial robots that are still used, for example, in the manufacturing industry to make cars, for example. They can be used to perform heavy tasks, repetitive tasks, but we can see also very different types of robots next to these industrial robots. For example, in robotics, we focus on human-centered robotics that aims actually to provide robotic technologies to improve the life conditions or the working conditions of humans. And here we focus on different applications. So we go from rehabilitation robotics to active prosthesis over social robotics and collaborative robots for industry. And then, of course, the exact appearance and the exact functionalities of the robots depend on the specific application. I absolutely understand. Francisca, do you want to add something or do you have an interesting example? I think the most important part is that robots have been designed to help humans and assist humans. And that's also something at Blue Ocean Robotics that we are very much concerned with. So developing robotic solutions for humans to increase quality of life, to make life easier. We have different robots in healthcare service, professional service robots, one for rehabilitation, one for telepresence working, so remote and hybrid work and another robot that is disinfecting in hospitals. So the focus here is really on helping humans and especially together with the end users designing robots that can help them and that makes sense in the applications. And are you now working on a specific project? My favorite robot is the patient lifting robot. So it's called a patient transfer rehabilitation robot. And it's a robot that helps in a hospital setting and a healthcare setting and nurses and healthcare professionals to transport and lift patients and support them during rehabilitation. 
And I think that is just a robot that will have a big impact, especially because our nation is getting older and we need to support them. And we'll have issues finding resources and personnel in healthcare. So that's where robots can really make a difference. That's a nice application. You great. Do you have an interesting example? Well, actually, yes. We also have some related topics where we work on. Indeed, we can see that the population is getting older and we're also working on technologies for that. Closely related is our work around rehabilitation robots, for example, because we can also see that uh, people are getting older, but also younger people can have disabilities, motor disabilities, or for example, patients that had a stroke requires lots of therapy and we can see that the workload of the therapists is quite high and we're also working on rehabilitation robots we actually want to provide a system a robot that can help therapists in providing this therapy and it's beneficial for the therapist itself but also for the patients because on the one hand these robotic technologies can help to decrease the physical workload of the therapist because it can be quite heavy if you for example need therapy for a leg then the therapist needs to take this leg and to move it manually around so it's quite heavy So if the robot can assist in that, it's good for the therapist. But also then in that way, because of this robotic assistance, they can provide more therapy, uh, more therapy sessions during one day. It also benefits the patients because there are more opportunities to get therapy. So that's a bit on the rehabilitation topic. But like I mentioned, we also work, for example, on cobots for industry. And here we want to improve the working conditions of operators. And this can be on both the cognitive level as the physical level. Also here, you can see that people have to work longer. It's not always easy for older people to keep performing the same tasks, both regarding their physics, because sometimes heavy tasks are demanded in industry. But also, yeah, the cognitive aspects can uh, decrease a bit eh, when you get older. So sometimes it can be difficult to keep on being flexible and adapting to new needs and to new tasks in your work environment. And so here, collaborative robotics can help as well. How does it help me? Well, collaborative robots are actually designed to work together with humans. So the idea is that we merge the strengths of both. So robots can be very precise and can handle heavy loads, but humans can do different things very good. So we are very flexible, we can adapt to new situations, and we are very good in problem solving. So the idea of collaborative robots is to merge those things together and to work together to perform a task. And as such, for example, if you have a very complex piece that you need to assemble in industry, then the robot can assist the human. For example, take over a part of the physical load, so it can take this object And then the human can perform tasks on these objects as so that they work together. But the robot can also, for example, instruct the operator. For example, the robot indicates, okay, now you should do this task and you need these tools or you need to go to that location. So he can also give cognitive support to the human. Mm -hmm. And what we also work on is improving the ergonomics through collaborative robotics. So by programming and controlling the robot properly, we can try to improve the postures of a worker because we can see that there are lots of musculoskeletal disorders for operators. And so by actually using the robot, by programming it, that it takes a specific posture, the posture of the human can improve as well. So that are all different types of aspects in which collaborative robots can actually improve working conditions of operators in industry. 
I think in that respect, talking about women, robots also allow women to enter new domains because they do take over very straining tasks, very dangerous jobs, and those domains were usually more occupied by men. But robots give women the possibility to actually enter those jobs in manufacturing, in construction, in agriculture, but also healthcare, and to work longer in those jobs as well that they are interested in. And Francisca, if I think about healthcare, are there also robotics that have a kind of preventing task? For instance, if we talk about an older population, often people start falling. So is there something already available that robotics can help to prevent it? I think there are a lot of technologies generally that can help with that and robots that can support. Right now, people would like to stay longer in their homes. Yes. So there are a lot of ideas. I don't think there's a really a commercial product yet that can help people or a robot that stays with people in the homes. It's all more on research level and a testing level, but I'm pretty sure that soon we'll be able to stay longer in our homes and get help from robots. We have some projects where we test our telepresence robots. So those are robots where you can basically lock into the robot. It's at another place than you are. And uh, log into the robot and drive around and talk with people, just like a remote call, but much more interactive and you're much more in the environment. And having those robots, especially with our generations where families are spread out over different parts of the world, that can really connect people and it can also help to um, monitor older adults unobtrusively in their homes also and give them support and they can stay longer in their homes as well. Yeah, that's a wonderful application. <laughs> and how did you end up in the field of robotics, Francesca? Ooh, a good question. I think it was just a matter of being at the right time, the right place. And it was during my master's studies, actually, which was communication. So it had nothing to do with robotics, with technology. But I had a very good professor. She supported me and she got me interested in the field. She was working in the field herself. And um, I just noticed that it is on the one hand very interesting. It is an opportunity for me coming from communication to actually get into technology, which I was very interested in. So yeah, started from there and I never let go and got hooked. Okay, thanks for that. And Greet, how did you end up in the field of robotics? Well, I studied electromechanical engineering at the Vrije Universiteit Brussel. And already during my studies, I knew I wanted to do a PhD. So I wanted to dive into research. <laughs> and so in my last year of studying, I talked to different professors from different research groups to see actually which topic would fit me the best. And at that time, At the robotics research group, they were working on social robotics. They just designed a new social robot, Probo, and they tested if this robot could be an added value in therapies for children with autism spectrum disorder. So they investigated if using this robot could improve their social skills and learning of new skills, actually. And so when I heard about that, I was immediately interested in it because yeah, the combination of these challenging technology and then the social relevance of the application was really appealing to me. That's actually what triggered me to dive into the field of robotics. I focused during my PhD on social robotics 
So I also developed a new robot, a new social robot, and I studied how we can generate effectively gestures for robots. Because if we want these social robots to help us and to assist us in our daily lives, we yeah, want to communicate as natural as possible. And I think yeah, Francisca knows uh, a lot of this as well uh, as communication expert. So in my PhD, I focused on generating gestures uh, for this type of social robots. And then after obtaining my PhD, I refocused a bit to collaborative robots for industry, because here it's also a very um, interesting field, very nice applications. And we also have these societal impacts but also impacting the industry. So the, the aspect of yeah, improving life conditions and working conditions, I still have these nice applications, but also the challenging technology. The field of robotics is very interesting in different aspects, of course. I understand. Yeah, I just wanted to say it's so important to do this work and also to look ahead and, and see how we can communicate in the best way with robots and what subtle changes in the communications aspects, like you say, in the gestures, how that influences our interaction with robots. And that was something that in my studies and uh, research a little bit after my studies also, I was very interested in what I was a little bit unsettled with was that it doesn't get out so quickly. So it will take a long time in research until it actually gets out and is applied. And that was something that I really liked going into industry to see actually how the decisions you're making and when you design the robots, how that then actually is applied and has an impact out in the world. But uh, still, the research basis is so important, even for industry we make use of that a lot. And in my work where we collaborate with academia and with universities, I can see that even more, that research is so important to get new and, um, and good robots out in the real world. I absolutely understand. And when you talk about jesters and robots, I'm always thinking about the Boston robot who first a couple of years ago could barely walk and who is now jumping and making flips and uh, etc. Like I said in my PhD, so I worked on social robotics and because we want to interact on a social level so together with these robots and we want them to work in our daily environment this actually has specific implications indeed on the design because we want these robots to use our tools and to be able to pick up things for example or if we want them to move around in our homes they have to be able to take the stairs so they cannot have wheels but they need to have legs so all these things actually have implications on the designs and that's why most social robots look like a human. So most social robots are humanoid robots because of these requirements. And also, like I mentioned before, we want to communicate naturally with these robots. They need to be able to speak. They need to be able to understand gestures, but also to use gestures themselves. And so therefore, uh, we can see that, again, these robots have arms. Like, for example, the robots that you mentioned looks like a human, but there are also a very other types of robots. And the robot where I worked on during my PhD design, it was actually the Probo project. It looks actually a bit like an elephant. <laughs> it's a green character with arms and little feet. It has a big trunk 
<laughs> it was an imaginary character, actually. And so the robot that I developed then during my PhD was the little brother of that robot. So that was, of course, not a humanoid robot, but then more based on an imaginary animal-like character. And we can see lots of other social robots that have similar appearances. For example, the robot Nao or robot Pepper are very famous robots, which are already used in hospitals. They have been used to investigate the effects for therapies with also children with autism, but also for elderly, for example, to stimulate them to do exercises or, for example, for people with Alzheimer to see what the influence can be. We saw that, for example, therapies with animals can have benefits, but of course, animals in hospital, yeah, in these kinds of, of environments, this is not always easy. And so therefore, maybe it's possible to use robots to see, can we have a similar effect, yes or no? So that was the work in social robotics where I was involved in during my PhD. And Pepper also looks very friendly, yeah? Yes, the appearance of the robot is very, very important. Yeah, it's very good that you raise this because robotics is a very multidisciplinary field. So we cannot just build robots with only engineers. So it's not possible. So we need inputs from many other fields. For example, psychologists, sociologists, physiotherapists for rehabilitation robotics. We need to work together in a very multidisciplinary team because many aspects are important. The appearance is very important for acceptance. We have to study, for example, if we put a collaborative robots in industry, are people willing to work with it? Do they trust the robots? So those aspects are all very, very important to study. I can understand. And does that sound familiar to you, Francisca? Yes, definitely. And I can say from our team at Belgian Robotics, we have a very multidisciplinary team also and always make sure that we work closely together with the end users to actually develop the robot with them. And that's definitely very important to have this diversity also when you develop robots. Yeah. And if you want to empower more women to choose for robotics, what needs to be done, Francisca? I think it definitely getting more women interested in the education, in the educational aspects and getting them interested in robotics. And because it is a multidisciplinary field, it should include a lot of women also from other disciplines. And that's very important because you can only design and develop robots for a broad target audience if you have the developers of the same audience in your team. So women will notice things that men maybe don't. And testing uh, robots on a diverse set of people is very important. Well, that's good to know. And actually what you are saying, if I listen well, is that the education is really important Make sure that women are interested. And then I suppose you are referring to the STEM education also. Exactly, yeah. And I actually read that robots can also help for the STEM education to get girls interested in robotics. That's also a positive aspect. Introducing them early enough to robotics, getting them interested and making sure that women are increasing in that domain as well. Great. 
If you look at empowering women uh, into the field of robotics, what is your experience? I agree completely with what Francesca said, that it's very important to have diversity in your team for generating useful solutions, of course. To get back to your question on my personal experience, so I have to, to say that I think it mainly depends on the environment where you study in or where you work in. At the university, they pay lots of attention to try to reach gender equality. And there are lots of initiatives to try to reach this. I was very lucky with my thesis advisor, still very lucky with my advisor, because he's somebody with the correct mindset and he gives women and male the same opportunities. But of course, if you work in an environment where this is not the case and where you have close colleagues who still have this archaic way of thinking that men are better than women, then of course, it's much more difficult to earn your rightful spots in your team. So I think therefore it's important to keep on stimulating girls to choose an education in technology, in STEM but also to yeah, educate the men properly, <laughs> to get rid of all these prejudices and to indeed converge towards this gender equality. But I think we already did a good job and we already came a long way and there's already lots of improvements. We can see it. There are women choosing for careers in technology, in engineering, and specifically also in robotics. But of course, we need to keep on stimulating it it's important to keep having attention on it. Of course, it's not always easy to exactly know how to do this and which initiatives can be good and which not. So that's still a difficult task, I think, to make sure that women and men can get the same opportunities. So I think, like I said, we're doing good, <laughs> uh, but we have to keep on doing this and keep on paying attention on it. Mm -hmm. I think supporting each other, uh, women supporting each other, but also men who notice things, speaking out loud and supporting each other is very important. And because we have a multidisciplinary field, we also have actually a lot of cultures getting together and a lot of cultures where there's a different perspective on the role of women at the workplace in society. And that's why it's so important to speak about it, because when those different cultures come together and someone doesn't feel like they've been treated, uh, whether it's now a man or a woman, not fairly, I think the only way to make a change is to speak about it and make the others aware about that, because no one can learn if they are not aware about that. Okay. And uh, Greet, if we look at the future of robotics, what does it look like? It's, of course, difficult to predict the future, but we can look at the trends that we see already now. Initially, robots were only found in industry where they performed and are still performing dangerous tasks, for example, heavy tasks, precise tasks. But these type of machines, these type of robots are very dangerous, so they are kept in cages. So no people are allowed when these robots are moving. And when people come too close, they shut down for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. But we can see that now robots are coming closer and closer to humans. So like we discussed, we now have the collaborative robots that are aimed to work physically together with humans. We do research on social robots, rehabilitation robots. So there we really have the human in the center together with these robots. So we go more and more towards this human-centered robotics where we have to pay more attention on safety aspects and things like that. So we can see that robots are gradually coming closer in our daily lives. Like, for example, we can see already the vacuum cleaner robots 
uh, or the robots that mow your lawn outside, for example. We can already see robots for these specific applications. And I think we discussed that uh, robots have the potential to solve many challenges in our society. Like, for example, the people getting older, people have to work longer. There are lots of healthcare issues. We need more therapists to support patients, things like that. But also in industry, as people have to work longer, uh, they can benefit from some more support. So I think robotics has lots of potential in different applications in different fields. So I think for sure in the future, we will see more and more real applications popping up. Well, I'm excited about it. And you, Francisca, how do you see the future of robotics or what can we expect? I definitely agree. We're going to get closer to robots. We're going to collaborate more with robots and they are going to take some of the tasks that we are currently doing and hopefully increasing the quality of our life. So if everyone is taking care of considering how robots should be developed and how they are used in the real world, I think that will be the case. So all robots kind of have a purpose or most of them if they are developed in a good way that's supposed to help us. And we need to remember that they are tools. So it's not like in the movies where robots are taking over the world. It's we are working together with them to help us with the challenges of the future. And they are tools that cover some of the tasks that we maybe don't want to do that are not good for our health and that are also necessary because we don't have the resources in the future. So I think that's important to remember. So the future is more robotics for more applications at home but also at work, and it will help us to become better personally and professionally, which is really great because that's what technology is. Eh? If it's done the right way. I absolutely agree. You're right. If it's done correctly. <laughs> and that's where research is also so important uh, because I think it, it really helps industry to show the path and to consider all the important aspects. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that I didn't ask you yet that you would like to share with the listeners? I think if there's other women, even from other disciplines that haven't heard about robotics so far, and they are interested in getting into that, there are a lot of places to go to, to get informed universities or innovation hubs, or there is also a lot of networks for women in robotics, for example. That's a really good addition and I will make sure that we have some links in the show notes. So thank you for that. I can say that the robotics field is very interesting. It's very challenging and there's a lot of nice applications. So I think as a woman, as a girl, if you're interested in technology, if you're interested in engineering, don't hesitate to go for it. I would stimulate everybody to go for an education and over a career in technology and in robotics in a specific. Because I think if you're interested in something, if you're passionate about something, then you can be good at it no matter what's your gender. I absolutely agree. So, Greet, Francisca, thank you very much for joining this podcast, for sharing your expertise with the listeners. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot of things. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's very exciting to be part of that. Thanks for listening to the Women in Big Data Brussels podcast. We appreciate it if you get in touch with us to provide your feedback or request to partner up and be a guest. You can contact us via datawomen at protonmail.com. That is datawomen at protonmail.com. 
you'll also find our contact details in the show notes. Tune in next time.